0: When I initially wrote this episode, it was beginning to warm up out here in the Midwest, but of course, as I'm recording this, we're expecting a snowstorm any minute. Even so, at the first sight of sunshine, I was inspired to build an episode around the gorgeous photos and postcards from the tropical shores of old Florida that I've been obsessing over lately. Saturated images of the palm trees, exotic birds, and the emphasis on seemingly all-pink architecture led me to a roadside attraction that I had never heard of, but was one of the most famous and earliest examples of a fabulously popular tourist favorite. It's a place with a history of celebrity sightings and was known as a film studio darling at the end of the so-called Golden Age of Hollywood but its real draw comes from the real life mermaids swimming in open water for audiences delight this is weeki wachee springs we're sorry the number you, you, have, you dial have dialed is dialed not in service at this time the new number is Welcome to Interstate Odyssey. I'm your host, Sophie Peterson. If you like learning about obscure, fantastical, and even some potentially haunted places throughout America, you've come to the right place. Each week, I'll be covering different roadside attractions throughout the United States. The good, the bad, and the absolutely strange. I know it's almost spring, or at least I hope it is, which is exciting because we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the pandemic. And that means more freedom to travel in the coming months, which will make this podcast even more relevant, especially if you've been following guidelines and staying inside up till now. And remember, if you're enjoying these episodes and are interested to know more about places that range from glamorous old Florida icons to definitely haunted, potentially counterfeit, and satisfyingly strange attractions across the United States that you can go and visit, make sure to follow, rate, review, and subscribe to Interstate Odyssey on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred streaming platform may be. Okay, back to the mermaids. A short YouTube clip from the New York Times shows women with fishtails standing around an opening in the concrete floor, looking at the deep water below. One by one, they jump, feet first, plunging into the narrow well and disappearing. They make small talk with each other and adjust their costumes before their descent. They're jumping into a dark, narrow tube that runs for yards before opening into the underwater stage. It looks claustrophobic, but the mermaids seem unfazed. Women that were here in 1947 will still tear up over their experience at Weeki Wachee, agreeing that once you become a mermaid, you're a mermaid forever. Of course, they're referring to the mermaid show at Weeki Wachee Springs, the beloved cornerstone of old Florida roadside attractions. And up until 2020, the second smallest city in Florida, population 13. So, it's... October 1947, just a couple of months after the Roswell UFO incident sent the world into a frenzy and days before the sound barrier was broken, an unassuming roadside attraction opens for the first time in order to make use of one of the deepest natural caves in America. Its ankle? Very real, hypnotizing mermaids doing synchronized routines deep under the water's surface. They eat lunch, drink soda, hang out with each other, and perform aquatic ballets all while completely submerged. This is Wikiwachi Springs, Florida, about 40 miles north of Tampa, also known as the City of Mermaids. In its heyday, as one of the most famous roadside attractions of the 50s and 60s, the springs drew Americans from across the country with its sirens, including high-profile guests like Don Knotts, Esther Williams, and Elvis Presley. It was used in films of the time with their epic backdrops and fantastical performances. Depictions of mermaids have been found throughout history as early as 1000 BC with stories of an Assyrian goddess that turned into a mermaid out of shame for accidentally killing her human lover. Then we saw Greek myths with sirens calling sailors to their demise, though they were originally part bird instead of fish. In 1836, Hans Christian Andersen harnessed the magic of these mysterious cryptids with his fairy tale, The Little Mermaid. Stories of women with fish tails have fascinated humans for centuries, and in 1947, a man named Newton Perry brought these stories to life with the wikiwachi mermaids. Well, there weren't mermaids in the spring right away. Initially, wikiwachi was created as a place to showcase the technology that Perry had developed for Hollywood productions. It was a breathing hose under the water that would allow performers to stay submerged without needing to come up for air. The spring discharges over 100 million gallons of water every single day. It's a mesmerizing blue that looks less at home in Tampa and more suited for an untouched island oasis. Given that I am not a Florida aficionado or currently up to date on the state's geography, I was surprised to learn that there are actually over 700 of these natural springs dotted throughout the state. Here's an excerpt from the Weekiwatchee Springs website about the significance of this one in particular. Weekiwatchee was named by the Seminole Indians. It means little spring or winding river. The spring is so deep that the bottom has never been found. Each day, more than 117 million gallons clear, fresh, 74 degree water bubbles up out of the subterranean caverns. Deep in the spring, the surge of the current is so strong that it can knock a scuba diver's mask off. The basin of the spring is 100 feet wide with limestone sides, and there, where the mermaids swim, 16 to 20 feet below the surface, the current runs a strong 5 miles an hour. It's quite a feat for a mermaid to stay in one place with such a current. Flowing from the spring, the Wikiwachi River winds its way 12 miles to the Gulf of Mexico. The spring itself is really breathtaking. The water looks so clear and deep, and thanks to karst underwater research, the vast network of caverns that run far below Wikiwachi Springs and Buccaneer Bay have just begun to be explored. The footage looks like it's being taken on an entirely different planet. Going between 200 and 400 feet below the surface, the vastness of the caves is difficult to comprehend even with the stunning photos and videos of divers navigating soundlessly through this otherworldly cavern. I'm definitely the type of person who feels most at home in open oceans or deep under the water so this looked like a dream come true and I've now spent too much time just watching enviously as these divers explore this previously uncharted spring. Apparently not everyone shares my love of caves and deep water, so I guess for those of you who might be claustrophobic, this footage could seem more like a nightmare than the way the Florida Adventure Coast described it. Glide silently through sprawling caverns and narrow passageways, as if strolling room to room in an otherworldly castle. Emerge from narrow cracks to spaces so immense that a parked jetliner would have room to spare. I'm literally so jealous of this handful of divers that can say that they've explored these waters. I'll put up a video of the caves on the Interstate Odyssey Instagram. I know I plug it constantly on each episode, but I promise it's worth checking out. I know this might be difficult, but imagine a Florida before Disney World, Universal, and all of the Titanic theme parks that it's become known for. Remember, in the first half of the 20th century, most of Florida was untouched beaches, tiny towns, and a couple of country stores dotting the papaya and orange-lined country roads. Though it is home to the oldest continuously-occupied city in the United States since 1565, in case you were wondering, it didn't have much more than produce and a history of colonizing Seminole land. At the beginning of the 20th century, the entire country experienced an economic boom with the Roaring Twenties. Railroads were being built, making places like Florida easier to access than ever, creating interest in natural wonders like Silver Springs, located about an hour north of Orlando. Silver Springs drew travelers from across the country, but with few highways and towns, a lot of Florida looked like uncharted territory. It wasn't until the 1940s and 50s that Old Florida truly began to pick up speed as a vacation destination that seemed worlds away from the deciduous states tourists were coming from, what with its tropical climate, exotic animals, and white sand beaches, although the main draw was really the sparse collection of roadside attractions. It wasn't until the 1960s that the secret was out and Florida became the ultimate family road trip hotspot. Silver Springs, Paradise Park, and places like the Aqua Fair, which I mentioned on the Interstate Odyssey Instagram, were magical sources of excitement and adventure, especially if you were a kid during that time period. Until 1946, Wikiwachi served as a backup water supply for the towns of Tampa and St. Petersburg. Four men by the names of W.D. Snyder, Walton Hall Smith, Hal Messenger and Robert Hillman were looking to invest in the spring that was conveniently situated next to Highway 19, the main road that led to and from Tampa basically ensuring that drivers would see the attraction not too far from the road. They purchased a 25-year lease, aiming to create a roadside attraction with an initial investment of $100,000, but they hadn't landed on an angle just yet. Enter Newton Perry, a diving consultant for movies since 1939, beginning with Tarzan Finds His son, and continuing well into the golden age of Hollywood. His nickname was the human fish, being able to stay underwater for upwards of three minutes at a time. Perry was no joke. He was a retired Navy diver and was literally the instructor of, of Navy SEALs during World War II. As a native Floridian, Perry knew his way around the springs, and as an expert diver and instructor, he was particularly useful on movie sets and really anything that involved people needing to be submerged. The springs initially drew customers with the standard for roadside attractions at the time. A tropical sightseeing boat ride through the spring, a menagerie of reptiles and sea creatures, a recreation area for families and children, as well as a white sand beach on a portion of the spring. That wasn't enough, though. The real draw came in the form of the infamous underwater theater. It was initially marketed as an underwater lounge, which sounds equally awesome. Who wouldn't want to get blitzed in an underwater cave in the middle of a family road trip? The theater seated just 18, with a view of the spring through giant glass windows about 16 feet below the water's surface. The springs had already incorporated the incredibly trendy, synchronized water ballets that were becoming a centerpiece in many movies of the time period, but Newton Perry sought to take this spectacle even further, or deeper, if you will. If people enjoyed watching routines above the water, imagine interest in fully submerged, coordinated routines starring beautiful women. Dear friends, fish in this aquarium are rare and valuable. Enjoy them to your heart's content, but do not please... Feed or annoy them. Newton Perry was hired to consult on Universal's 1947 production of Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, starring William Powell and Anne Blythe. The plot revolves around Mr. Peabody, played by Powell, accidentally reeling in a naive, gorgeous, mute mermaid, played by Blythe, while on vacation in the Caribbean inadvertently giving us one of the very first depictions of the Born Sexy Yesterday trope, as well as an illustration of the post-war escapism in film that led to the development of a serious fetish for all things mermaid during that time period. The production schedule of the movie happened to coincide with the initial development of Wikiwachi Springs, so Perry took the opportunity to utilize the spring for shooting the underwater portion of the film. This would be the first of many productions to be filmed in the gorgeous, clear, temperate waters of Wikiwachi. Universal was so enchanted by the property that they even held the premiere of the film at the springs, providing the fledgling attraction with some much needed publicity. Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid officially premiered in August of 1948 and was full of all of the stunts and spectacles one could hope for at a late 1940s movie premiere in Florida, a Sea Queen beauty pageant, Contest to win a trip to Wikiwachi on vacation, which, weird, because all of the people there were presumably already from the area, but I digress. There was even a mermaid tank put outside of a nearby Tampa courthouse to draw in even more visitors. A year later, in 1949, the springs were utilized once again for an even bigger production, starring the fabulously talented underwater goddess and star of the silver screen, Esther Williams. An Olympic-level swimmer and actress, Williams starred in the film Neptune's Daughter alongside Ricardo Montalban and Red Skelton in a comedy of errors about a swimsuit designer and her sister, the South American polo team, and a case of mistaken identities. Probably the strangest convergence of pop culture phenomena that is against this tropical Floridian backdrop. The song, Baby, It's Cold Outside, was introduced to American audiences, winning the 1949 Academy Award for Best Original Song. The answer is baby, no. Baby, it's cold outside. So welcome has How been. lucky that you dropped no in. Night. At the time, the song had no actual relation to Christmas. It was just a cute call and response about generally cold weather and making excuses not to leave a date. According to Lynn Garland, the wife of the original writer of the song, Frank Lesser, the now controversial song was simply a clever way to indicate to party guests that it was time to go home. Because remember, people used to literally stand around a piano and sing to each other, which sounds equally entertaining and embarrassing, especially when you add punch bowls full of booze into the equation. With its retinue of Hollywood films and movie stars, Wikiwachi Springs continued to draw passerby into their underwater theater for the next decade, becoming a family-friendly favorite amongst vacationers and locals alike. You had a full-service park and recreation area, the mermaid show, and the draw of being a Hollywood movie set. Mermaids even used to stand on the side of the highway like sirens beckoning drivers to see what the park had to offer. It wasn't until the precipice of the 1960s that the attraction really began to pick up steam when it caught the eye of executives at the moderately-sized American Broadcasting Company, or ABC, you may have heard of it. This took Wikiwatchy mermaids and rocketed them into the national consciousness, with nine shows being performed a day and TV spots featuring the Floridian underwater beauties. This was also when the mermaids actually started getting paid. According to the Smithsonian website, the mermaids had previously been working for free lunches and swimsuits. Up until this point, the mermaids were predominantly local girls from the surrounding Tampa and St. Petersburg. But now with this newfound fame and prestige, applicants from around the world took an interest in applying to be a real life mermaid. While they're performing, the mermaids have to master the breathing hose that they hold onto while submerged. According to current and former mermaids, this is the hardest part of the underwater routines. Because you have to be able to turn the hose on and off while performing, as well as successfully regulate how much air you take in on each breath. Too much air means you'll float to the surface, and not enough, and you begin to sink. And I assume you'd need it to, like, breathe. Pair that with having your legs bound together in a skin tight like tail, and yeah, that sounds crazy difficult. Even Anne Blythe in Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid needed a stunt double for filming some of the more involved underwater scenes, utilizing one of the real WikiWatchy mermaids as a stand-in. This is a testament to how difficult the seemingly effortless performances of the mermaids at WikiWatchy really are. Yeah. The mermaid shows at Wigiwachi have always been, and still are, 30 minutes long. That seems like a short performance by land standards, but even with the availability of the underwater air hoses, humans can only stay underwater safely for about a half hour. Though the water is temperate, it's unsafe for someone to be underwater with just a swimsuit and a tail-on in water that cold. For many women, becoming a mermaid was an act of defiance. In a time when women were expected to go to school, graduate, and immediately get married, the mermaids carved their own unique path, away from the traditional lifestyle. Often college students or recent high school graduates, the women saw wikiwachi as sort of an unofficial sorority that calls them back even decades after they've retired their tails. My favorite part about researching wikiwachi was seeing interview after interview of women reminiscing on the fun they had as mermaids and how when they get back into the water to perform, they feel like they're 18 again. I guess being a mermaid is kind of like riding a bike. According to an interview from Roadside America about wikiwachi, The biggest misconception visitors have is that mermaids swim in an aquarium or a tank you're in the tank, the mermaids are out in open water, and that's no picnic despite its repeated appearances in wikiwachi performances. The water is cold, the current is strong, and snakes and alligators sometimes make unwanted guest appearances. Mermaids have to be able to cross the span of the theater windows in a single breath and free dive 117 feet into the mouth of the spring. It takes up to six months of training before a mermaid swims in even one part of the show. As for how you look, what we care about is that you don't look panicked. The different reports I saw of what it takes to get through the tryouts that are held once or twice a year seemed grueling, and clearly they were looking for only the most talented swimmers, with hundreds of girls applying and sometimes none of them making the final cut. And that was even before ABC had purchased the park. With the backing of ABC and the newfound interest across the United States, the tiny underwater lounge was converted into a 400-person theater. Props, storylines for shows, and all sorts of variety acts became expected, with productions ranging from the underwater circus to retellings of classics like Snow White, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan. At the time, 35 mermaids were employed in working this show rotation. Looking for an angle to get even more exposure for the mermaid shows, ABC had Wikiwachi put on the map. Like, literal maps. I was actually having a conversation with my mom the other day about how weird it would be to have to go back to using maps to navigate going really anywhere outside of your city. I I agreed, but honestly I couldn't really relate given that even my earliest memories of road trips include a GPS mounted on the dashboard of our car, or even fuzzier the concept of printing out directions from MapQuest. (laughs) In 1966, Wikiwatchi became the incorporated city of Wikiwachi, with one of the smallest populations in the country, thusly getting the name of the park on every newly minted Florida map, along with the addition of highway signs informing visitors exactly where they were. Evidently, the scheme worked with reportedly over half a million visitors making a stop to the park every year the meteoric rise of an unassuming mermaid show seemed like it was only getting bigger and bigger, growing in popularity every year. That would prove true up until a certain man and a certain mouse decided to make Florida their new conquest. After capitalizing off of pure, unadulterated childhood wonder in California during the mid-1950s, a man named Walt Disney, you've probably heard of him, Decided it was time to expand the reach of the oh so omnipotent mouse to the corners of the United States. So, in 1971, Orlando officially became the most magical place on earth, or at least according to the registered trademark, serial number 88639856. If you like Disney, you probably love copyright law, they kind of go hand in hand. But upon the initial opening of Walt Disney World in 1971, Roadside attractions like Wikiwachi flourished, being the logical destination of families traveling on Highway 19. Seeing a mermaid show and hanging out at the Springs Park was the perfect daytime detour for anyone who was making the pilgrimage to or from Orlando. That is, until a new, more direct route was carved out, thus bypassing Highway 19 and the mermaids. This proved to be a new obstacle for the park. Obviously, by the 1980s, Florida had committed to full-tilt Disney mania. This was when the luster of the tourist attractions of the past few decades began to wane. WikiWatchy managed to hold tight to their popularity, but by the time Epcot was opened at Disney in the early 80s, the cat was out of the bag and other giant theme parks wanted to try their hand in the Sunshine State. Wikiwachi managed to stay relevant with its construction of Buccaneer Bay in 1982, adding a fancy new water park to the list of activities available at the springs. Their versatility and willingness to try new forms of exposure really seem to be the reason that they've been able to preserve the original park and thusly the original mermaid review in spite of a roller coaster of ownership and management shifts in the past 40 years. At the turn of the 21st century things were looking grim for the nine-person city saddled with debt but with a clever campaign called save our Tales," they were able to raise enough money to revitalize the park and keep the mermaids afloat The mayor of wikiwachi donated his salary in order to help the mermaids but as it had been in the past the most important avenue in financial security for the springs was good old-fashioned media exposure and I know that I said the song Baby It's Cold Outside would be the strangest connection to Weeki Wachee Springs, but I was wrong. It turns out that the Springs had their biggest shot at national media exposure in recent years thanks to the queen of pop culture and inventor of the selfie, Miss Paris Hilton herself. Paris and equally impressive pop culture icon Nicole Ritchie found themselves on Wikiwachi's shores to try their hand at the mermaid audition process on the second episode of the iconic second season of The Simple Life. Spoiler alert, they looked great but fared pretty similarly to anyone who isn't a professional mermaid. Even with the revitalized image and successful campaigns, the owners of the springs couldn't keep the park afloat… or submerged, I guess. So, in 2008, the owners handed the 70-year-old mermaid park back over to the city of WikiWatchie, who in turn passed the springs off to the state of Florida. This was ultimately a good thing, because that was when it officially became WikiWatche State Park, but it is weird to think that mermaids were technically government employees. The wiki mermaids are still performing to this day, and we're seeing a healthy number of ticket sales before the pandemic, with fabulously loyal fans and satisfied new audience members continuing to be pleasantly surprised by the polish and excitement of the show. In 2020, however, the park gained notoriety for once unrelated to the mermaids. Governor Ron DeSantis wrote a check to the tune of $3.7 million, with the intent being to restore the park and the springs contributing to the $50 million budget that was set aside for restoration of the springs across the state. He also dissolved the city of Wikiwachi, bringing it back to its unincorporated status. According to local reports, the municipality was creating a conflict of interest between environmental protection of the springs and the desire to increase revenue in the one-square-mile city. Basically, the argument which makes total sense is that the people who were running the city were in charge of protecting the natural spring and river associated with wikiwachi, but those same exact people were also in charge of allowing projects that could make the city more money, that would no doubt end up being a detriment to the environment itself. For example, in 2018, the city was allowing park vendors to rent out close to 1,000 kayaks a day to paddle around the springs, when the environmentally conscious cap is only 280 kayaks. Suffice it to say, WikiWatche Springs, though no longer technically its own city, is still a hidden Florida gem that captures the quintessential old Florida glamour and escapism of the post-war era. Between a solidly entertaining mermaid show and its place in Florida and Hollywood history, the WikiWatche Springs underwater theater is a must-see for any roadside attraction enthusiast who happens to be passing through Florida especially if they're looking for something a little more off the beaten path or or refuge from the throngs of tourists at Universal and Disney World. In spite of the pandemic, Weeki Wachee Springs isn't going anywhere anytime soon, and when the world opens back up, which seems to be sooner than we think, catching a mermaid show will make for a memorable stop on your very own Interstate Odyssey. This has been a transmission of Interstate Odyssey, Episode 8.